The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Herb Guggenheim is a novelist and poet whose new novel, Resurrection 2020, is a hybrid of postmodern satire and sci-fi thriller. And he's with us here just now, and it's 5.30 in the morning for you right now, right? Yes. 5.30 in the morning. You're used to it though, aren't you? So yes. we're not holding you against your will at this time. Yes, I usually write at night. I yeah. spend my evenings writing and... Uh, doing other things, reading and so forth. Yeah. Now, this new novel, Resurrection 2020, how would you describe it in terms of genre? It's a science fiction novel. Ostensibly, it's a science fiction novel. It uh, involves time travel and it involves um, multiple time periods and so I would I would describe it, I would say it's science fiction, but it's also kind of magic realism because not everything, they're kind of rules for science fiction. And I kind of go outside of those rules in different ways. Yeah. So um, I would call it magic realism, but people who um, talk about magic realism probably would not consider my novel a magic realism novel. Yeah. And in what ways do you go outside of the rules of science fiction then? Well, I have um, things that are uh, kind of magical. Um, there, there are things that are um, out of the ordinary that happen besides time travel. There are um, incidents where um, people have miraculous things happen to them, like there is a woman who is in the novel and she's waiting in line to go to an exhibit and the producer of the exhibit pulls her out of the line and says, we, we need a dancer for our show. Will you be able to dance in the show? And he has like 20 minutes to get her ready for the show. And so she just gets ready. And uh, it couldn't happen. I don't think it could happen that fast, but it happens in the novel. So um, that sort of thing um, happens. Yeah. Although the thing with science fiction is a lot of the time, maybe even all the time, there are endless possibilities, right? Because it is mm -hmm. science fiction. I would say I'm more on the, I'm not on the hard science side mm. of science fiction. I'm on the soft 
science fiction side. I get a lot from H.G. Wells and from um, other novelists who uh, write sort of more soft science fiction. Yeah. And where did this idea come from? Well, that's an interesting question. I had a dream several years ago. I had not, my novel is set at the New York World's Fair. And I had a dream. I was at the fair when I was eight years old. So you can tell how old I am now. I'm ancient. But anyway, I had a dream uh, several years ago and I hadn't thought about the fair at all. You know, it was not on my mind. It was not in my consciousness and then I had this dream and it was a dream about the fair. And I said, that's really weird. How could I have a dream about the fair, you know, just out of nowhere? It just came out of nowhere. So uh, since then, it's sort of piqued my curiosity in the fair. And I've done a lot of research into the World's Fair and a lot of reading and a lot of watching videos that people have made about the fair and I've contacted other people who were involved were involved with the fair and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I've reconstructed the fair in my novel. So it hopefully people will feel like they're going to the fair when they're reading my novel. They'll feel like they're inside of it. Yeah. Uh, experiencing the world as the fair unfolds. Yeah. And how would you describe what a world fair actually is, by the way? Well, it's interesting that you ask. The first world's fair was the Great Exposition in London in 1851. Mm. And it was the first time that all countries and cultures and industries from all over the world were brought together in one place for a fair. They were uh, in the Crystal Palace um, in London, which you may have heard of in history books. Of course. And then another another famous World's Fair was in Paris, where they built the Eiffel Tower. And the Eiffel Tower was to be torn down in one year. And it stayed up. It stayed up for, you know, over 150 years. So um, things happen at World's Fairs. And the World's Fair in, um, in New York was on uh, a square mile of land. It was huge. And there were 66 nations represented at the fair. So you have countries exhibiting, and then you have industries exhibiting. There's a lot about the various industries that exhibited at the fair in my novel. Um, and they had the industries had money to burn. America was really roaring in 1964. The economy was going really well, and so these companies had huge amounts of money to spend on rides at the fair, where they would you would get on a conveyance of some kind and ride past all different kinds of scenery, or you would get on a turntable and you would see different stages, four different stages as you revolved around the uh, exhibit. So um, there's a lot about industry. There were also states, U.S. states that exhibited at the fair. And they also had at the 1964 fair, they also had 
uh, religions from all over the world. And the fair has been criticized because people say it was kind of a downer having these serious religions uh, exhibiting at, at the World's Fair. But they had all different, uh, the Vatican exhibited and the Protestants exhibited and uh, Mormons and all different kinds of groups exhibited at the fair. And so um, that was happening too. Yeah, that's so interesting that the World Fair has contributed so much to our history that we don't really give credit for, I suppose. It's it's all but forgotten. The 1964 yeah. World's Fair is all but a memory. There was an earlier fair in 1939 and 1940 that was in New York that made a huge impression on the people at the end of the Great Depression, they had this fair and it made a huge impression on people. But the 1964 65 World's Fair somehow didn't register as much. There's still structures from the fair that exist there. One of them is on the front cover of my book. There's something called the Unisphere, which is a 12 story high globe of the earth. And its remains in the park where the fair was held to this day. So the fair made a big impression on me. And so I wanted to write about it. And I didn't want to write just a, an adoring piece about it. I, <laughs> I wanted to write something that was a little more challenging. So I have a psychopath loose at the fair and the psychopath is doing various uh, misdeeds I won't say exactly what they were because people will want to read the book and they'll want to find out what the psychopath does. But the psychopath is loose at the fair and the four time travelers who return to the fair go after uh, or, you know, are in pursuit of him. They encounter him in various ways. And so um, that's one of the main pieces of the plot. There's also... Another psychopath at the fair who's um, who some people might call the former president of the United States. (laughs) He grew up very close to the fair. And so I have him at the fair when he was 18 years old um, doing things at the fair. So um, those are the those are some of the characters. The main characters in the book are. Skip Gershwin, who is a professor, an aging professor, not unlike myself. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, it's not me, but it's sort of like me. And then there is... Uh, his friend, who is from Austria, whose name is Gudrun Frege, and she's a cognitive scientist. And then he has two students. One of them is named Hester Finn, and she may or may not be a trans person. Mm-hmm. She may or may not have... Um, she may be a cross-dresser. She may be a trans person. She may not be. The novel only hints at that. And then uh, there's uh, an African-American character named Marcel Miller, who's 21 or 22, maybe. And he is he is a great um, he's not afraid to confront the professor who is um, he's his he's his student and he's not afraid to confront him with, um, you know, his issues and so forth. And there's some experience of uh, racism in the novel. Um, the character gets apprehended and is thrown in the World's Fair jail. They had huge amounts of security at this fair, and he's thrown into the a holding cell at the World's Fair, and he's not charged with anything, and he doesn't know when he's going to be able to get out. Mm. So... At one point, the other characters, the other main characters, have to go back and rescue him, or you know, free him from the prison, from the jail. Yeah, and of course, the book is called Resurrection Twenty Twenty. Is that something to do with the year twenty twenty, a couple of years ago, or was it just a nice number? Well, I thought it sounded good. I really liked uh, Resurrection. Leo Tolstoy wrote a book called Resurrection. And I thought that is a cool name, but I can't just name my book after Tolstoy. So I called it Resurrection 2020. And at one point, the characters in the book jump. The book takes place. The starting, uh, the ground situation is they start in 2019, the four main characters. And so they go, then they go back to 1964. And at one point they're thrown forward into uh, 2020. 
and they're thrown into the middle of the COVID epidemic. One of the interesting things, um, my book takes place, the fair part of the book takes place in Queens in New York. It's a part of New York City. And um, one of the interesting things there is that both the former president grew up in Queens, and also one of the worst stricken places at the beginning of the COVID epidemic was Queens. And there were there was a hospital called Elmhurst Hospital that was really overwhelmed with um, cases. And they were having to put people in tents outside and they were having lots of deaths and their morgue was filled with people. So at one point, everyone is thrown forward to 2020. And uh, so I call it that. And also, I think 2020 is uh, a measurement. I don't know if you have this in the UK, but 2020 is a measurement for eyesight. And so... Uh, so hopefully it evokes that too a little bit that people uh, have opened their eyes. They go back to the fair and they see it with newly opened eyes and they see the COVID epidemic with newly opened eyes. Yeah, that's true. I think technically 2020 is an American thing for vision, but we still sort of yeah. say it colloquially. Yeah, so that's uh, that was why I used the word mm. the year 2020. I knew I wanted to have something about the COVID pandemic in the book. And so I included Resurrection 2020. And the characters are kind of resurrected in 2020. They kind of come to some realizations in 2020. Yeah. And what are some of the social issues that you address in the novel? Well, racism is uh, addressed pretty much throughout the novel. And also the issue of sexual identity, um, trans trans people and uh, cross-dressers are addressed. Corporate greed, there's a lot about the greed of American corporations like General Motors and Ford and General Electric. And so that's addressed. There were also people talking about racism. There were also people at the fair. There were... uh, a coalition of of African-American people that came to protest at the fair. So they're uh, talked about in the novel a little bit. One of the things, I mean, our country has a terrible problem with racism had back in 1964, and it still hasn't really gone away today. So one of the things that happened with the fair was it was all sort of lily white, it was all um, it was all uh, catering to Caucasians, and they didn't do much to cater to black people. One of the things um, that happened in the fair was a lot of the labor that was hired for the fair. A lot of the the people that um, worked there were white, and they weren't recruiting black people. They weren't letting black people join trade unions either. So um, there was discrimination in uh, a number of different ways. And then also two of the states that exhibited at the fair, Louisiana and Florida, were um, segregated states. 
where black people weren't allowed to vote and they weren't allowed to um, they were having trouble with integration with um, going to the same schools and living in the same places as white people did so some of the people at the fair carried signs that say we don't want a world's fair we want a fair world and so that issue is is explored quite a bit in the novel yeah and who would you say the target audience for the book is as well is there a particular age well i think the target age is much younger than i am (laughs) the target age is is like uh 25 to 45 you know and uh i i say that because i was a professor at one time and i taught students and so i was always dealing with people who were quite a bit younger than i am and so i i want it to be for that audience i think older people can read it too and enjoy it but I really hope that a lot of people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s read it. Yeah, absolutely. And do you have any other plans for more books after this one? Yes, I want to write a book uh, about genius societies. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of Mensa, but um, it's a society that uh, started in England and is very active in the United States. And it's not widely understood. People people are pretty critical of it. And uh, it's not really understood what the organization is. So I think I'd like to write a book about genius societies yeah. and uh, what goes on at their gatherings and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in the meantime, where can we find this current book, Resurrection 2020? It's Resurrection 2020 is available on Amazon and at bookstores, but mostly on Amazon. It's easy to get on Amazon. It's harder to get at bookstores because you have to order it. But uh, it's on Amazon. It's all over the world. It's I checked to see if it's on Amazon in UK. Yeah. And it is. And I also know that it's on Amazon DE Deutschland. Yeah. Um, so people can get it all over the world. And uh, I hope they do. Yeah. And there's going to be an audiobook coming soon, right? Yes. The audiobook, I was working with the reader a couple of weeks ago, and the audiobook has to go through some technical processing Mm. but then it's going to come out in uh, maybe a week or two it should be available smashing well many thanks for joining us here on the show today it's been great to have you here thank you i hope i talked fast enough i'm a kind of a slow (laughs) talker so i hope that i filled the space adequately hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
Soft sound, soft sound. The Toby Gribben Show.